Welcome to Gin and Topic. I'm Sarah. And I'm Anya. And every week we seek to learn a little bit of something about absolutely anything. All with the help from experts and rather a lot of gin. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Hello. All right. Nah, I'm knackered. Oh, yeah, I'm feeling a bit like that too. Yeah. But it's all right because we've got gin and that will always. I'm not boost sure us I actually up. really want a gin today as well, which you know is a bad sign. It is a bad sign. Yeah. It is. But hopefully the gin can win you round. Hopefully. And hopefully the topic can win us is round. Is it a too. fun one? Well, I think he's going to be a fun guest. Okay. I'm not sure the topic is going to seem to be up your street straight right. away. Okay, excellent. Um, but could be. Interesting. Well, they're always well, interesting. Course, yeah. Even the ones that we sit there and go, oh, it ends up being interesting. This week, we're talking to Matthew Partridge. And he is a research fellow in biochemistry at Cranfield University. And he has been developing a range of novel fibre optic based sensors with the Centre of Engineering Photonics. I think my brain just switched off, sorry. They were words, weren't they? Yeah. There was a series of words. A series of words, didn't understand any of them. Novel fibre optic based sensors. So our topic is fibre optics. As in Wi-Fi? As in broadband fibre optics. Right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, and the question is, are fibre optics more than just tubes filled with the internet? If they are, I don't care. I'm sorry, all I care about is getting my internet. What about, would you care if I, if we were to ask, answer the question, can fibre optics make better gin? Yes, that I would be interested in. Would you yeah. be in? Okay. Well, that's one of our questions. Okay. And the other one is, other than transmitting information, what do fibre optics do? And if they can make better gin, that would be epic. <laughs> now, as well as doing fibre optic stuff, Matthew also is a cartoonist. Oh, okay. Nice. And he's created us a little cartoon. Oh, that's cool. Oh, am I the ginger one down there? You're the ginger one down there shouting up. Yeah. I don't know whether you're actually shouting words of encouragement. I don't know because you're climbing a ladder, but nobody's holding the bottom, which feels dangerous. It does because the ladder is balanced against, a precariously balanced yeah. against a massive gin glass. And I assume that that's Matthew floating in the gin in a little rubber ring. I'm not sure I'd want to float in gin. I'm a stick well, it's figure, okay because you're not very skinny. Legend. You're just you're just <laughs> shouting words of encouragement, yeah. <laughs> which you know what I could be good at that. So he does these errant science uh, cartoons, um, and he's done that little one of us. Cute, it is cute, nice. isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to let Matt in, and we are going to talk fiber optics. I'm going to find out if they can make a better gin, and with it, we are drinking a gin which is called the river test. Right. And we'll find out more when we talk about okay. talk okay. about it with Matt. Yeah? Sure. Is that right? Yeah. Sound good? Sounds right. Okie dokie. <laughs> Let's let him in. Tell us about river test. 
Right. Um, so I chose River Test because I, I actually live next to the River Test, um, which is a, a river that practically goes the whole length of Hampshire where I live. Um, and it's a really small distillery. And I chose the River Test because um, I went to like a food festival where they were mm-hmm. showing it off. They had like a booth. And uh, the owner, one of the owners of the distillers, because um, uh, they're a tiny, tiny distiller, um, uh, was so excited by his gin, he forgot to talk about the gin. And all he talked about was the fact that they'd redesigned their bottle. And he just went on and on about the lovely glassware. Um, and I thought, seeing as my science is really kind of glass-based science, um, I thought somebody was that excited about their glass bottle, uh, even though they probably put more work into making the gin, um, I thought was worth bringing on the on the podcast. No, um, So that, that was why. Uh, apparently the bottle is meant to represent, you'll notice it's coloured at one end, it's meant to represent the riverbed. Um, um... So... Yeah, so um, for our listeners, it is a beautiful green bottle at the bottom, but white at the top, and it's got these nice little marks oh, on well it. Oh, well described, Sarah. Very well done. What, little marks on it <laughs> yeah. as I'm stroking yeah. the bottle? Yeah. <laughs> okay. The to our Instagram bit. to actually see a picture. Yeah. We'll yeah. put a picture on there, <laughs> as usual. Um, and let's get this poured. Oh. <laughs> it's been a long day. It's just always the reward of gin. <laughs> Oh, that smells like gin. Does it smell like gin? Yeah, nice. Good. That's smells bonus. Like a bit of tonic in mine. That's a gin. Yeah, that's a proper gin. Nice. That's like, hello, I'm a gin. I'm enjoyable. Mm. I'm smooth. Yeah, quite ginny. Yeah, we love our our special tasting notes. Thank oh, God for yeah. having a gin expert on board who can tell you properly what my in tasting it, what it notes tastes like. It tastes like gin, and it's good. And do we like it? Yes, yes. <laughs> no, I, I like it. It's a it's a really lovely gin, and it's got yeah. kind of it's got kind of a lot of um. You can taste a lot of the botanicals and all sorts of other things. And how much of the river does it have in it? I, I really hope very little. I've seen the river, and yeah. I've seen how many fish are in the river. And I'm not a big fan of fish, and I don't want fishy gin. So yeah. I, I think I, I think they they ship in their water from elsewhere. I, I really am. yeah yeah. I don't think a fishy gin would be a big seller. I've never sort <laughs> no, of thought, you know no. what this gin needs a bit of fish. A bit of fish. <laughs> Maybe they've just got the world's largest Brita filter, and then the river. But I don't know. I mean, I've I've walked along the River Test. I'm pretretty sure the only botanical is. Um, so maybe some dandelions and almost <laughs> nice. certainly nettles. So yeah. maybe. Oh, well, I maybe like nettle. a little bit of nettle tea, nettle soup. <sighs> really? I'm quite. Fine. Okay, so we have got our gin, and we're talking fiber optics, and I think we can pretty much sum up our knowledge in one word: Wi-Fi. Yeah, broadband. Done. That's it. That's yeah. all I got. Yeah, I, I, literally I, nothing else. That's great that you went with Wi-Fi, which a large portion of which doesn't use fiber optics. It's just Excellent. in the air. So yeah. that's good. Yeah, yeah. good start. Yeah. Really good, yeah. And that's all I've got. Yeah. So Feeling really clever this week. Okay, what have I got? Come on. Dig Go on. into the depths, something up, depths of my brain. Fiber optics. It was a big deal. <sighs> big wire things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously glass. I didn't know that. I've learned that already. Yeah. 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 Glass, not wire. Um, Got to do with speed of light, optics, optical. That sounds like bollocks, but sure. Probably. Okay. But it was a big deal because fibre optics, you can... It's fast. Move things really fast. Yeah. 
and now all I can see mm-hmm. are all the broadband adverts from various different companies with like speedy light shows going on to show us how fast their broadband so every week i think we are at the bottom of the barrel (laughs) education wise this week we truly are so so dumb okay what else do i know we use fiber optics for everything i think you're doing great because you know in america this was just fiber optics were often described as tubes so you haven't even said tubes or like pipes at any point so i think you're already several steps up so i think i think you're doing great so far i'm i'm thinking that now Oh, God, no. What have I done? <laughs> um, I'm thinking now possibly tubes with things glassy in. things in. Honestly, maybe mm. it's bad, but I just hadn't really considered it. It's one of those sort of things, a bit like the internet, which I know is ooh, there. Ooh, it does its ooh. thing. I don't really think about it. No. Do you also use fibre optics for going inside your body? I have no idea. And looking at things, or is that just cameras? <laughs> I've got you're, some you're, nods. I've got some possible nods going on. You're, you're bang on the money with that one, yeah. Oh, okay. well done. So, you so found yeah, something. thinking about going places that you really don't want a tube to go. I feel like there's still a quite around. a lot to learn this week, isn't there, Sarah? Because I feel yeah, like you're just be. sort of trying to make something out of nothing in your yeah. brain now. Do you, well, do you know what? I'm envisaging like this manic little thing running around inside my brain, opening filing cabinets going, fibre optics, fibre optics, what we got about fibre optics? And it's not finding much. And you know what my man's doing? What? Sitting there on the floor going, I haven't got anything. Why am I looking? I haven't got anything. I know there's nothing here. I'm not going to bother looking. <laughs> oh, we have so much to learn. And... um we're especially interested, of course, in how they could make better gin because that is always a good lure into conversations because mm-hmm. if it's going to benefit us, maybe with faster broadband, that would be good. Uh, maybe better gin, even better. Where do we start? <laughs> well, I think, you know, there's, oh, there's, there's so many places to start. I, th- I, think, with, I think with some, some education about what fibre optics are and how they work, <laughs> I think it's clearly, it's a good thing. clearly the opener. Might be Otherwise, I'm, I'm worried we're going to get lost if we go for other things. So, um, so let's let's start. Well, let's start with 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 where we are with the basic knowledge of of how fiber optics work. So, um, you you mentioned light, which is good. So that's that's great. That's a pretty key component. Um, and glass, which is really good because again, you were listening during the gin bit. So yeah, like yeah, yeah. Learning already. So, um, fiber optics are like I could give you a bit of history. which might lead you to it um, about how they work. So um, fibrous has been around a really kind of kind of long time. um, But in the like grand scheme of kind of science inventions, they've only been around about 200 years or something like that, which isn't that long. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we like we we really discovered how they work kind of in like mid 1800s when, you know, scientists with big moustaches were doing silly things all over. Um, there is there was a, a brilliant like article I read once about how we discovered that the Egyptians discovered fiber optics and there were mm. all these like glass things in tombs and stuff. Um, but uh, and it was cited in various books and journals about how brilliant the Egyptians were. Um, but when I kind of dug into it, the, the, there is no real evidence beyond like blogs saying that aliens built the pyramids. <laughs> nice. So nice. I'm not sure mm. that's true. So, so aliens m- brought us. Fibre optics yeah. as well. Thank There's a little aliens. presence. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Except no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so fibre optics kind of it all started in like Victorian era um, when we really like t- two people discovered that um, 
you can put light into water, which doesn't really sound like the start of the internet, but that was kind of what was happening. Uh, and what they found was if you if you have like a really bright light, and if you have like a stream of water coming out of a barrel, the light doesn't shoot from like one through the hole out the other side and kind of hit the wall. It followed the stream of water in this lovely curved path and then into a bucket on the floor. Mm. Um, and they were kind of quite excited by this because the Victorians were really into like stuff that looked quite pretty. Mm. Yeah. Um, and what they discovered was that they could do something called total internal reflection, um, which is almost exactly what it sounds like. It is the internal <laughs> reflection of light inside that little jet of water. So when you say it's exactly what it sounds like, my oh, brain exactly. heard that and went, exactly. okay, so like reflecting on your internal cell <laughs> so I was wow, like, that's, very, that's very modern management that you're yeah. doing some self-reflective practice yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could see that as a title of a course that you would spend absolutely. quite a lot some of money absolute for absolute wanky bollocks yeah, yeah in the middle of nowhere yeah. and doing some total internal reflection exactly yeah. <laughs> but not that no no, no. it's prettier than I was that wrong. i think yeah. i think it's prettier yeah that could be quite ugly it could be very messy. Okay. It, it, it involves less tears. So, <laughs> so yeah, so so they, they discovered that you could kind of make light stay inside these sort of jets of water as they kind of come out of barrels. Um, and being the Victorians, they immediately put this to good use by kind of doing what you'd expect. They showed it off mm. at, like, mm. fairs and shows, and, and they actually put on theatre shows where they used it as, like, a lighting <laughs> effect. Um, and that was that was. Kind of mostly what they did. Which is a bit like all the um, fountains outside of um, Vegas, you know, and yeah. light shows. Yeah. Of, yeah. I'm, I'm now doing one. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> Glad it's a podcast. It's funny you should say fountains because that was, that was like the first big thing that they did with them. They installed a fountain at the World's Fair in like mm. the 1890s. Um, and kind of to show it off to the king and the queen and, you know, all the royalty and people who came. It was like a really, really big deal. Um, the fountain was like, had like big arc reactors to make the, the light inside before light bulbs. Um, and the arc reactors were really horrible and a load of people died running the fountain. But this Ooh. was the Victorian era, so no one cared. Yeah, um, <laughs> It was pretty and that was the important thing. Um, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing as the Vegas fountains now, but with a lot less people dying yeah. particularly because of yeah, the lights yeah. anyway yeah. yeah um so yeah so so you've got the idea that you know you can get light kind of bouncing back and forth in these kind of like streams of water um what, what they realized was that that was pretty much only useful as like pretty decoration mm -hmm. um but obviously there are things other than water there's glass and they started to realize that you could do the same thing with like rods of glass so if you had a big, like a big thick rod, you could kind of direct light down it mm. by kind of launching it in and, and it kind of bounced around and it came out the other end. And then you could kind of very slightly curve them and then that could be useful because they used it in like dental exams to mm -hmm. kind of light people's mouths. I'm also not sure I'd have wanted that in my mouth. <laughs> you know, thinking of the Victorians yeah, and, I, you know, yeah. it probably would break. Yeah, probably. I'm not sure I'd have had enough money in the Victorian era to go to the dentist anyway. No, true, so true. Just rotten. I mean, yeah. It was probably also made of lead because it was leaded glass. Yeah, probably. absolutely. So yeah. no part. You don't want that. But no. it pro probably also, you know, dentists could see better. I don't think that's ever a bad thing. I don't want a dentist who can't see what they're doing in my mouth. That's true. 
Um, so yeah, so the, the 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 idea is essentially if you just like yeah, you got a tube and it's just going boing 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 coming out the other end, um, and that's that's just that's the whole physics of how they work. That's mm-hmm. the you know we then have to get onto kind of like fibers and more complicated stuff when it comes to the internet, but at a, at a base level, that's all that's happening. You shine a bright light in the end of a tube. In the end of I was going to say tube. Oh my god, I should. <laughs> in the end of uh, some glass, and it bounces around inside because. It, from the light's perspective, the inside kind of looks like a mirror. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't leak unless you want it to. Um, and it comes out the other end unaffected. So you can send like pulses of light. So you can send red light and it comes out red the other end and, and things like that. So that's that's the basics of what it's doing. Um, so you, you're nodding. So I think you're on board. Yeah, yeah. I'm on board, I'm on board to a point. It, whether that helps me understand anything else. I know, but it's a good base. Nope. But a good, good base. base. <laughs> now, but I want to know, you are talking about a glass tube with yeah. a light bouncing out. So what's the problem with a tube? Mm. Well, they don't, like, a tube as opposed to, like, a rod. Oh, what's the difference between a rod and a tube, <laughs> well, then? Like, a tube would have, like, air inside, I guess, oh, would be my okay. way of saying it. But, right. but, yeah, so, uh, but you are talk- you're talking, like, about rods because, like, rods are kind of big and, you know. But trying to make, like, very, very thin glass strands is really hard. So if you make it thinner and thinner and thinner, obviously then your light could probably go further and further and further. And also, big glass rod, quite hard to... I mean, if you bent it when it's being made, it's lovely, a lovely U-shape or whatever. But you can't then bend it much or you know mm. stick it into things or mm. you know lay it un- unspool it from cable and lay it down under the road um so the next thing you know we did was try and work out how to make very very thin glass which is actually that's really hard trying to make very very long stretches of tiny tiny very kind of specifically thick glass is is difficult and i know um, i don't we don't have a huge amount of knowledge but you know we are as we say a smashing family oh yes and yeah we are kind of known for breaking all the glasses <laughs> ever we get new wine glasses for christmas roughly every three years yeah, yeah. probably actually probably more than that probably yeah. more than that um so yeah we know that glass is going to break <laughs> Yeah. So if it was if it was like a rod based system, you guys would have broken your internet five times yeah, a week. Totally. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which would be really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah. So so at the same time, like all that was kind of going on with with us learning about how light kind of bounced down rods and through streams and things like that. Um, other people were working on. So a guy called Charles Vernon Boys, um, who invented a crazy bunch of other things as well. He was working on. Um, trying to make glass strands because if you make if you take like hot glass or uh, clock glass and you kind of pull it apart it tends to just eventually snap and you get Mm -hmm. short little threads and that's what you kind of get in like glass insulation is like very short threads of glass Um, if you want one that's meters long to start Mm -hmm. with then you have to kind of do something a bit clever and he was trying to work it out not because he wanted to create fiber optics he was trying to work it out because he wanted to weigh very very small things and for complicated chemistry reasons you need a very very good sort of very thin string for that sure (laughs) that's that's almost an entire other podcast discussion we're not gonna go there (laughs) because that's too much for the brain we'll just accept that and move on (laughs) he needed thin glass let's just put it at that yeah um so he was working in his laboratory trying to come up with how you get molten glass to stretch out into a thin like consistent thickness strand um and he wrote uh like an absolutely brilliant paper 
which is, you know, all scientists say these papers are brilliant. This one it actually is brilliant um, because uh, he went through like all the things that didn't work, which mm. was kind of quite refreshing. Mm. But this is like the 1800s. So I guess scientists were a bit better about talking about everything back then. And he talked about the fact that he tried making glass strands by um, putting a blob of glass on a bit of gunpowder and then lighting the gunpowder <laughs> in the hope that the glass would shoot out in and create strands. I now, can't see any problems I'm with that. I can't see any problems. I can see problems. No, no, health and safety is no issue with that. I'm not bothered about health and safety. I just don't think it's going to work. <laughs> Well, he this I mean you're more enlightened than he was because he thought it might. Uh, but he was he did, he did put a note and said that he thought this would be a very dangerous method. Yeah. Um at least he acknowledged it. Yeah, which is again Victorian era. I mean dangerous. I'm assuming to be Victorians meant hundreds of people would have died rather yeah, than yeah, just two yeah. or three students. Um he did try attaching it to a firework and firing nice. it out of his lab window. I like um, his style. The chaotic energy, I'm imagining, is just brilliant. brilliant. He he designed a gun where he could attach the glass to a special bullet <laughs> and the gun would fire the shot out the window. He didn't do that because he found the gunsmith was too expensive. And he even wrote that in the thing. He was like, nope, I'm not doing that. It's too, it's too much money. How brilliant. Fair play. Don't have the funds for that one. <laughs> Do you do you think you can guess what he actually did? What was his? What, what do you want? Do you want to take a random guess at how he I'm what he did? So given given his terrified. train of thought so far, well, he's just thinking about things that explode. So, oh, I'm scared. I don't want to know what he did. <laughs> so what have, what did we try? We tried gunpowder. He's down the gunpowder route. We've yeah. tried a gun. We've tried a firework. I can't think of anything else. What did he do? Um. So what he did is he he built a very special. Uh, he devotes to a, about two pages to describing it. Crossbow. Oh, a crossbow, of course. Brilliant. He went he old school. <laughs> he designed special little bolts that held a little bit of glass. And he fired a crossbow bolt out of the window of his uh, Cambridge his quad. His neighbours must have loved him. <laughs> Every day they're like, oh my God, what's, what's going glass, on now? What's just, like, coming shooting out? through the air. <gasps> Brilliant. Yeah. And he made the first, I think it was about five or six metres long piece of sort of glass fibre that was sort of super flexible. So the crossbow worked. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, fair play. Good good for him. Yeah. I didn't imagine it working, but okay. <laughs> I think a lesson to scientists everywhere, if you haven't tried a crossbow, then a you've not well. run out of all options yet. Absolutely. Yeah. When in doubt. Yeah, go back, go back old school. It was worked in the past. Yeah, not just buy one, just make one. make a crossbow <laughs> specifically for make the task. Make one and then write about it in your paper yeah. extensively. Yeah, I mean, that, a, a huge amount of paper is given to all the things I've just discussed, and about half a paragraph is given to the fact that he made something, <laughs> that he made a fibre, and then this the. The conclusion is, I did it. <laughs> I, I really respect that, though. I respect yeah. that journaling of, oh, I've got an idea. I'll try it. No, didn't work. I know, well, I'll try this. It was a reflective no. piece on his pr creative process. <laughs> <laughs> I've just had to write one of those, so. <laughs> well, of course, he was self-reflecting before it was cool. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I like it. Um, so, yeah, so, so he did this. So he made this amazing fibre. Um, and despite, I mean, he invented a crazy number of things to Charles Vernon Boys. And so he invented this fibre about the same 
kind of years that the fountain was being demonstrated mm. in Cambridge. So, you know, all these light things were happening around him. But at no point in any of his journals anywhere did it seem like he actually shined a light in right. the end of this piece of glass nice. and light came out. He just, he never cared. He couldn't Didn't even have cared think less about yeah. light and fibres. Um, and so for about 20 years, n- no one even had the idea to combine his very detailed crossbow research with their ability to make pretty fountains, even though now it seems obvious. Yeah, yeah um, sure. Yeah. Um, so, but that meant eventually when somebody did put those two things together, somebody realised that if you shined light in the end of these now very, very thin strands of glass, it could go around corners, it could go through spools of, of cable and, and out the other end you could get the same light that you put in to start with mm-hmm. thereabouts. You know, I think people started to see that there was a there was maybe a need to send information through these things. Um, and so we got that took us to about 1920s. So it was about 1920s. That At that point, if you, if someone showed you what they would call a fibre optic then, it would kind of look like they do now, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it kind of, that, that was kind of, the, I guess the first one was kind of created quite a bit before computers came along. Um, you know, they had grand plans for it, but they had no idea that it would be one day streaming um, <laughs> squid games. That was probably a little bit out of their imagination. I feel like if you went back and told them, they'd be like, what are you on about? Yeah, that's not that's not going to catch on. It's no. a bit rubbish. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wants to watch Selling Sunset Series 3? <laughs> Me. <laughs> and so what were the things that they were thinking they could use it for then, apart from Pretty Lights? You were saying that the need to send information. So, well, they they had just started. They weren't really at the point where we were understanding the idea of sending information so much, but they were very much at the point where you kind of talked about earlier of getting light into stuff and people. Yeah. Um. So the the sort of the very first fiber optics were used in um, endoscopes. So mm-hmm. um, they were used to to do what you said. They kind of went inside you in, in ways that you weren't very comfortable with mm-hmm. and um, and shone light into places that you very, very much weren't comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was their kind of primary kind of, that was their initial kind of like, this is a thing we can do with these. Mm. Um, and that kind of made a really big difference to the treatment of gut conditions mm-hmm. and bowel conditions because they started to be able to attach kind of camera-based things mm-hmm. or microscopes and get the sort of the the, the lensing down and, and things like that. Um, uh, really interesting little extra story is that the, the first one was developed with a group of volunteers and the volunteers they used were sword swallowers. Um, <laughs> well, handy skill. Yeah, yeah. They, they used sword swallowers because the sword swallowers could tell them yeah. how well the design was going down and they could give feedback <gasps> as it went in mm. on shapes and sizes and things like that so you know if if, it's a very niche thing to have to ask for it's like hey we need a bunch of sword swallowers for this i mean it's that was a weird thing in a grant so yeah yeah oh that's made me feel a bit weird now yeah move on to the internet but i am also thinking about how funny it would have been listening to them giving the feedback (laughs) yeah With it. No, thank you. No, I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) It's bad bad enough doing the lateral flow COVID test at the back of the mouth. So um, I dread to think about going further. (laughs) 
I wonder how they found them. You know, did they advertise in the local, the local paper? paper. Like, I mean, it was before Craigslist, so <laughs> it would have had to be in local papers. So It's like, are you a sword swallower? Have we got a job for you? Do you want to earn a bit of money? No swords involved. <laughs> So, so that was kind of like that was the first sort of um, use. So there was, but there was um, carrying on with the history of it. There, there was a, still a lot of problems with it. So um, to go back to the science a little bit. So when you've got the think about the glass rod and you've got the light bouncing through it, mm. the reason you have that light doing that is the difference between the refractive index of the glass and the air. Yes, so, I know what a refractive index is. I could hear that intake of breath that just went, oh, where yeah. like, oh, no, we oh, go. No, oh, no. Well, it's, it's okay. I've, I've got you. Just think about it as like the density. So right. the glass is quite dense. Air is quite light. Let's go with that. Yeah. Um, and, like any any optical physicists on uh, who are listening <laughs> will be banging their heads so hard. I best. am but, equivalent to a smart three-year-old on the best days, okay? We're working with what it. we've got. I love it. We started at 12. We've been going we've downhill been going ever since. The whole series. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so think, let's think about it as density, but it yeah. but that it kind of creates a like a like an there's there's a fancy equation that I'm not even going to name, but there's an equation that that means that that's why the glass acts like a mirror to the light as mm-hmm. it comes in and goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you like hold the glass rod with your like big fingerprints, then the 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 difference in refractive index, the difference in density at that point isn't the mm. same anymore. When it gets mm. to your fingers, it's no longer air it's finger and so that equation changes so it no longer acts like a like a mirror so the light that has been happily traveling through this kind of mirror um then falls out it comes out and goes into your all of a sudden your fingers will glow where you're sort of holding this thing nice um which which is quite good if you if you ever get like an old fiber you can kind of hold it in your fingers and all you can see the light coming through it and then stopping when it gets to your fingers it's like you can pinch the light um the power and, yeah i know you suddenly feel like i have magical powers um and so to the it was all well and good doing things like you know doing the endoscopy and they were sort of finding ways around that problem but they they needed to find a way that if they got a glass tube that if they if it got a bit of dirt on it or mm. grime on it or, mm. you know, the, the cabling touched it or the outer casing touched it, it wouldn't immediately stop all the light. Mm. Um, so a bunch of very clever scientists had to come up with a way of kind of making layers within the fibre. So the fibre optics we have today that are under the, the ground are actually like layers of glass mm. in one piece of glass. Mm. Um so then when all the light is kind of in like a, a core of glass and it's then like around It's like a flaky it, pastry of glass. Exactly. Without the lovely air gaps. Yeah. So, yeah. A dense flaky pastry. <laughs> like like a like a like a like an unrisen flaky pastry. Perfect. Oh, I could picture bottom. that idea. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but that means that so it it stays in the core which is kind of very, you know, very dense glass and then on the outer bit you have quite lesser dense glass Mm -hmm. so it stays in the core and if you touch the outer bit it doesn't make any difference because the glass is way inside nicely so it doesn't yeah it doesn't change it um but the the guy who who came up with the production method for that um did so using it was paul hollywood well god yeah (laughs) he hates those so he wouldn't come up with a method of making them no um guy who came up with this did so with funding from the cia 
Of course. <laughs> so um, he was he was a, a brilliant guy, but he um, wanted to try and solve this problem. Uh, he needed funding, and he went to the CIA with a project idea of a, a thing he could make them if he mm. could solve this problem. Mm. Mm. And he came up with the idea of a fibre optic encoding system to fool the Russians. Oh. Nice. Which um, goes back to a previous episode that we did on the internet. Bloody hell, look at you go. All right, I go on, know. go on. Because I, I can't remember. So the previous one was all about the fact that the internet was through funding from yes. the military, from the US military, etc. See. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. this guy started it. God. <laughs> he did. Um, but but he did. So he, he came up with this idea of like encoding images using bundles of fiber optic. And he spent the money developing these fibers that were kind of multi-layered to try and protect them when they were all bundled together. So they didn't kind of all cross talk and light leak everywhere. Um, and he came up with the idea and he like submitted his project um, to the military who were very happy. They were like, oh, wow, this really works. You're a genius. And he was a, a bit of a workaholic. And he went away on holiday for like the first time in about six years. And he was on holiday, I think it was, according to his journal, it was like two days. Mm-hmm. Um, and while he was oh, sipping know, sangria or wherever he was, um, he worked out that the thing he'd given to them was a complete pile of crap. <laughs> um, he realised that he'd given them an encoder that you could decode with very little work. Mm-hmm. Um, it would kind of looked clever, but actually it was incredibly stupid. Mm. Um, and so he'd been offered lots more money to continue developing things for the military. Um, so my question to you is with this knowledge, what did he do? Did he take more money from the U S government or did he phone them up and go, I know what I'd do. I'd be there and I'm like, (laughs) Oh, I feel so guilty because it turns out it's shit. But the next thing I make for them, I'll just make it really, really good. And I really need the money. Although I'm saying this, I know I actually wouldn't want to work for the military. But putting aside my yeah, personal yeah, stuff, that's what I would values. do. But I can imagine that you would wake up with that hot, sort of mo- hot, sweaty, heart racing moment of, oh, f- I fucked up. I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. But then you would just start thinking about... I'll just make the next one what really good. What can I do? What I'll can I do? I'll make it really good. And then I'll make them a better encoding machine and they'll never know because by the time I've made a really good one, it'll be fine. I, hmm, what did he do? He told them. Oh, he was a much better <laughs> human being than we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I okay. mean, like... He, he got funding through other companies, American Optics and stuff. Through the, you know, he was fine. He, he carried on his work and did other amazing things. Well but yeah, he, he, he tanked those projects and that was that was it. And they luckily never implemented it and tried to encode images and got caught or whatever was going to happen during the Cold War. But uh, yeah. I suppose when you think about the fact the Cold War was going on, that's slightly yeah. different. Okay. Okay. Up the ante yeah. a little bit, I suppose. Yeah. Then you're kind of responsible for death and stuff. So, you know... Could have sold it to the other side. (laughs) (laughs) You're very pragmatic. This is why it's a good thing that we're not scientists. (laughs) Um, So yes, but that but that was kind of like that was the 
that that was it. Then we had multi-layered fibers that could kind of transmit light and light didn't fall out of them at random times. Um, and that was kind of, that was it. After that, there was lots of other develops in, uh, developments in kind of fibers that did all sorts of kind of crazy things. But they kind of, they started to kind of diverge in the sort of use cases and they started to do things like chase higher and higher bandwidth mm. um, uh, or kind of go into other things where they kind of did things where the light isn't conducted by glass and it's conducted through very complicated quantum effects. Um, <laughs> There's a fizzing going on in Anya's brain at the moment. Be careful. That just sounded like something out of a Marvel film. I was like, quantum effects? Multiverse? I don't... <laughs> yeah, well, it, it's, it, it gets pretty crazy. So that's the point at which where I think, you know, that was when the first kind of transmission of optical signals was done. Um, it was done by the post office. Uh, they oh. they were the first commercial, which I guess you might have learned about a bit if you did the internet before about um, uh, using fibers for the, the for the police and stuff like that. Did did, did you Ooh, talk about that? Before? No, I don't remember. Talking Not that about I remember. The but then we have got sieve like brains. Well, that's true. You yeah. have to listen back to it again. <laughs> so tell us about the police. Oh well, the first commercial fiber optic that was used for communication to send signals between two places was the Dorset Police. <laughs> oh, good old Dorset police. So they'd had like a power cut and it knocked out all of their radio communications. And so it just so happened that was at the same time that they were trying to find a George down project. the road happened to have... <laughs> Yeah, he had, he had a, a fibre roll of fibre optic, and they rolled out. They rolled out the first one, so that was where it was first installed. Um, oh, and then, brilliant. within you know five years, there was then optical cables going between America and the UK. And, and there is the under else. under the seabed, isn't there? That's the most yeah. famous thing. You really don't think it's about like, that starting in sea. no Dorset. Dorset. I, I think Dorset oh, should make more Sarah. of it. <laughs> I can't believe you just sang The Little Mermaid. <laughs> Dorset should make more of it. <laughs> should be on the Welcome to Dorset. First ever fibre optic used here. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a fun thing. And too. a little light show. <gasps> they should totally do a light show. Got the hands going again. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, so then we put it under, under the seabed and connected yeah. countries. Took ages Continents. to get to us, though, didn't it? <laughs> Not being shady, but it did. <laughs> it did. It took so long. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, but in, but in that case, it's that's when you're doing telecommunications. So what you're sort of doing there is you're just sending bursts of light down the fibre. So you're sort of sending ones and zeros by turning on and off a light, very simplistically, and the computer at the other end is receiving them as ones and zeros, and that's what's being communicated to create the internet. And, you know, now it goes all, all the way to your... It's a proper famous five moment. <laughs> ones and zeros. Turn the light on and off again. But you're doing it under the it's, sea. It's, it's yeah. Dorset again with Pirate's Cove. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's but so that's then that brings us nicely to kind of like the biggest application of fiber, which is obviously now telecommunications, where there is an impossible amount of you know optical cable lying underneath every square inch of the UK, or not quite every square inch of the UK. I was gonna yeah. say because no, no, no. Um, I was in a flat in Clifton in Bristol where it was not a thing. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not bitter. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it never rolls rolls out fast enough. No. Um, <laughs> But it is now, I mean, there's now a crazy amount of fibre all over everywhere. And there's, there's, I can't remember, I did 
write it down some time ago, but there's millions of kilometres of fibre being produced every year in these huge drawing towers where they make it without crossbows, sadly. Um, and you can now get, so originally fibres, you know, the, the, sort of the thing that people talk about is the kind of the loss of a fibre, so how much light you lose between one end and another. Mm. And all the time we make better and better fibres that lose mm. less and less light. Um, so you can now make a fibre that if, if it was as long as from the earth to the sun you could still record the signal that you send from one end to the other without cool. losing so much you couldn't see it anymore. Um, so we've got very good at sending light down little thin strands of glass in what is now just 100 years. So Well um, done, us. Yeah. Good work. And, of course, now we're completely reliant on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. Like, you know, if, 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 if there's a bacteria that suddenly starts eating glass and shuts down the internet, we're in very big trouble. But there's a very small chance of that happening, so we're fine. Okay. <laughs> Don't even I think about it. Worried about, about the foreshadowing about of the po yeah. podcast here. Oh, could you imagine? <laughs> Five years' time, somebody brings up that comment. They're like, you won't believe it. We'd be like the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we've got we've got broadband fibre optics. We've got down your throat looking into your body fibre optics. What else are we using fibre optics for? Um, so fibre optics are very very good. I, I suppose you know I should talk about my speciality in fibre optics, and then I'm going to talk about some of the other of the other things, which are then obviously fringe things because what I do is the most important thing. <laughs> obviously, um, so. I talked mostly about, you know, we spent all of history trying to make sure fibre optics can translate information from one end of a fibre to another end of the fibre and it mm. get there. We, mm. we don't want it to leak out unless it's an art project with glowing tubes. Mm -hmm. We want it to, to get to the other end with it unimpeded. Um, now, my whole thing is that I want it to change as it goes to the other end. So in my research, what I want is I want the light to come in one end, I want something to happen in the middle, and then it come out the other end a little bit different, so it Magic. tells me what happened to it. So I'm trying to make sensors using fibre optics, essentially. I want whatever happens around the fibre or to the fibre to then appear in the light in a way that I can measure. Um, because I can then use them to detect stuff. This all sounds so easy and so simple and like, yeah, it can achieve that, no problem. I'm lying, it doesn't. No. <laughs> It's, I mean, it's, it's easy. All you have to do is go from a fibre optic to a leaky fibre optic. I mean, that's not hard. Pipes, you can make leaky pipes. Why can't you make leaky fibre optics? I mean, that's, you know, they're basically but then, tubes. But then your sensor would just sort of say, uh, there's a leak. But it depends what's... Like, so if you had a, a water pipe, for example, and it had a leak in it, if it was like a water pipe above ground and it had a leak, the water would just flow out yeah. super fast. But if you have a water pipe that's buried underground and it has a leak, and it's the same leak, it will flow out differently. So you'd actually kind of know something about your leak if you looked at the way the water was coming out. Um, and the same is true of the fibre, but, you know, in a much more sciencey way. <laughs> the, the but don't explain the sciencey quite, way, keep it well, at I'm, that. I'm, I'm going to. Yeah. Oh, touch. gosh. <laughs> okay, hold on, I ready? can do this. More gin, more okay. gin. So we're going to go, we, I, I'm going to go with COVID as a good way of explaining it. Um, because yeah. COVID the, claxon, yeah. Well, the, yeah, the, the entire population has just got like a, like a several year crash course in how antibodies work. So we're going to yeah. go with antibodies. Um, so... Some of the sensors you can make. So if you have a, a fibre where at a short section of it, 
the, the, the light kind of leaks from that core bit into that cladding part, the sort of the outer glass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if you touched that bit, then the light wouldn't come out the other end properly. Um, if you take that bit and instead of like putting your fingers on it, if you put antibodies on it, mm. then the light changes a very, very small amount because now it's hitting the glass and it's, it's you know, there's antibodies there. So it reflects a little bit differently. Mm. Um, and then if those antibodies pick something out of the environment around them. So, for example, if a big fat COVID sticks Mm -hmm. to them, that now looks different again. Mm. So the light changes very, very slightly and leaks out very, very slightly differently or a a different amount of it leaks out. So now what comes out at the other end has changed. And so then that can trigger the little laser that goes and 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 zaps it. it. Yeah. (laughs) Like... Fiber optics that kill stuff is an entirely yeah. different subject, but um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of the basic idea. Um, you know, you want it to kind of change the light just like a tiny, tiny bit when you're detecting something. That's pretty um, cool. Okay, so then my question is, what what are we then going to use that for? Well, the the question is a little bit, what are we already using it for? Because of course. <laughs> you might not know, but these are already this already happens. Not. Specifically for, there are uses for things like antibody tests, but one of the ones that is, I mean, there's there's thousands of them, ten, hundreds of thousands of them all over the world, is acoustic sensors. Uh, so there oh, are fibres. That's just made Ben go, oh! <laughs> As he's listening to this and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you can make fibre optic microphones where you can make the glass the the strand of glass at specific little points sensitive to vibrations Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and you know they're not going to replace the blue yeti uh or any other fancy microphone or your computer microphone anytime soon but they are brilliant at detecting sounds and vibration changes in things like under the ocean where you might want to record the sounds under the sea (laughs) If you continue <laughs> singing Little Mermaid, I'm going to make you leave the room and stand out in the cold for five minutes and think about your actions. Oh, dear. Yeah, okay. we're not having this. She can get away with two bars before a copyright strike. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, just true. putting that out there. Yeah, but not from an Anya strike. No, no. <laughs> Can't get away with that much. Um, but, yeah, so then being able to record under the sea, because, I mean... Obviously, there's so much of the ocean that we haven't explored. Scary place, scary place. And so much that we don't know with things like um, communication between all the different species and things in there. Your brain always goes to dolphins, right? Oh, yeah, Yeah. a little bit of whale song. And so using fibre optics for that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. They they are used for, for doing things like that would be kind of research, but they're also used in industrial applications because if you are drilling for oil, hearing what's going on with your drill and what's going on with your pipe is quite important because you can hear when leaks occur and you can hear when your drill does something wrong. And can you tap into them to just sort of let them hear, stop doing it. Stop <laughs> doing say it. that. Stop there are alternatives it. you could be putting money into. And just going, ow, It's ow, not a good that thing. That hurts. Don't well, do that. Yeah? So just to, just, you know, to get some equality in uh, energy production, um, the, uh, the, uh, the other sort of thing you could do with, with fibre optic sensors is not just do them for sound, you could do them for bending. So if you bend a fibre, you can 
detect the light out the other end and it can tell you how bent that fibre is, Mm. which that becomes very important for things like wind turbines, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. where you want to know how bent your propeller is getting in certain conditions and whether or not it's starting to degrade or whether or not there's issues with it and it's not deforming in the way it should do. Um, So another application for fibre optics is to use these bend sensors all the way along the, mm. the blades of wind turbines to make mm. sure that they are behaving as they should behave and are working efficiently. Um, and you can detect tiny, tiny changes just by having a glass fibre strung along it. Very cool. There you go. Very Balanced. cool. Uh, yeah, like that bit of balance. So then we come to the big question, of course. Gin. Improve our gin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How? <laughs> well, so um, the other thing that's on the test river is the Bombay Sapphire Distillery, mm-hmm. um, which is another excellent gin. I feel like I shouldn't plug two gins in one podcast, but I'm going <laughs> No, you to. can plug as because many gins as you like. We're okay with that. <laughs> that's good, because the, the River Test don't, uh, Distillery don't do tours, whereas the Bombay Sapphire did, yeah. so I yeah, went round yeah. there. Um, so when you're making gin, you need to monitor the process as it goes. So you mm-hmm. want to know what's coming out of your system as it comes out what to discard what to keep as good quality stuff uh, what to send to hand sanitizer factories instead yeah um and that can be very difficult and at the moment it's done with a lot of tasting and sampling and and things like that but such a hard job I well it, it might be, be gross are you sure well, you want to put that in your mouth yeah that's true that's yeah. not a good job exactly yeah you don't want to go through makes me vomit makes me vomit ugh Oh, that's acceptable. Yeah, because I saw Centrinians when they were testing the vodka and they were just killing girls off trying to (laughs) test their vodka. Okay, look. (laughs) Um, So what you you could do and what some places happen with other industrial processes is you can monitor the sort of the the reaction as it's occurring using fibre optics in your reaction vessels. And the reason for using fibres is the, 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 the good thing about them as sensors is if you have... Um, your sensor is the actual glass. So if you have your glass somewhere, you have all your electronics Mm. somewhere else. You have it two miles away Mm -hmm. because the fibre is very, very long. Mm -hmm. And so if you're making alcohol, which is famously flammable, you probably (laughs) don't want a bunch of electrical sensors stuck in it. Yeah. Um, And in fact, if you ever go around on the distillery tour, then you have to turn literally everything off, including your smartwatch. And they have all these instructions on how to turn off different smartwatches. Wow. Because they are so terrified of a tiny, tiny spark from a tiny bit of electronics um, setting off the factory. Whereas fibres solve that problem because all your electronics are nowhere near all the actual Mm. explosive Mm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and an, an application that, that I worked on that was sort of similar was um, using fiber sensors to detect hydrogen being produced by nuclear stockpiles. Mm-hmm. You don't want electronics near hydrogen gas. Mm. It's not a good idea. So we made a fiber that goes a very long way into the stockpile and senses when there's hydrogen there without any electronics, mm. meaning that you know, that then stockpile didn't explode and create a small three-mile <laughs> island in the middle of wherever our nuclear stockpile is. It's yeah. a really good thing, yeah. It's quite yeah. a good application, yeah. really. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I love the fact that essentially it's just being able to 
just move yourself really far away <laughs> from the danger. Yeah. <laughs> Safety first. Get it, get it. Well, it's, it's less about moving you away because obviously the sensor, the yeah, electronics yeah. don't need anybody to run them. It's just the, the electrics bit. So uh, um, sadly, people still have to go in and put the fiber there. Um, but uh, a bit like Victorian England, people are expendable. It's the electronics <laughs> that they want to preserve. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, we can't use children anymore, though. Oh, sad times. It's apprentices or bust, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so fibre optics are pretty cool. I think so. Now I understand, A, what they are, B, how they work, C, what they do, which I didn't know. Oh, I would say we, we haven't covered a really important topic for fibre optics with their ability to blow stuff up and kill things. Excellent. I, I don't want to. I don't want to end this without covering the most exciting application. Oh, you, the minute you talk about blowing stuff so up, I'm interested. You've just been talking about avoiding blowing stuff up. Yeah. Okay, come on then. Let's blow stuff up. It's important to know that sometimes you can blow stuff up with the same thing. Yeah. You, you know, you you want to multi. I want to make sure that everybody knows that fibers can do both. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we fun. started with gunpowder. We may as well go back <laughs> towards that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so there's, there's bizarrely lots of applications where you want lots of high energy in a very small space or in a space that is kind of directable and pointable. And that's another thing that fibers are used for. They, they're used to take laser light and point it at things you want it at. And so are we in the body again with things like cancer? And... You can be, that would be very low. That would be relatively low power things. If you want to just, if, if you just want to cut someone in half, that's that's low power, really. Oh, okay. So not we want we want bigger explosions. If you want to do like James Bond film stuff, you know, <laughs> that's, lasers. I mean, that's 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 still on the lower end. Excellent. Um, How big can we go? We're blowing up planets. <laughs> well, uh, well, not yet, but give us time. Um, so what you want to do? What you want to do with with fibers is you might want to do something really crazy with it. You might create fusion energy. Or you might want to weld titanium, or you might these want to drill. These are all drill... things that are on your bucket list. You know moment. what? You know, I have been going, thinking about welding titanium recently. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Saw it on your list. Yeah. Um, or, you, or you might want to drill into the earth using a fibre and create. See, they did your that own in a Doc Two episode, okay, it and it didn't go well. The you lizard people were angry. Unleash. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, you shouldn't listen to those. I deserve funding. Um, so with that, what you're trying to do is you're trying to f get light into a fibre and then you're trying to get more light and more light and more light. You're trying to get as much light as you possibly can and then you want the fibre to try and contain it so that you can actually direct it to where you need it to be um, and focus it into micron-sized spots so that all that light is then in a tiny tiny place and that's that's something that fibers did very quickly for things like welding so you um people like boeing and airbus mm. create 3d printed engines so whole engines that are 3d printed using titanium that's being sort of blown in as a dust and then incredibly intense fiber optic lasers that are then melting it as a sort of like a spot and then kind of moving around in this kind of multi-axis giant room size 3D so printer. Um, and that's where like it nicely gets me on to, to the quantum fibres. Um, <laughs> so um, where I used to work, Southampton, and uh, they specialise particularly in something called photonic crystal fibres, where all fibre we've talked about so far are all about 
containing light within glass. Mm. The problem with glass is the more and more energy you put in, eventually that energy starts kind of colliding with glass molecules and they start falling apart. And Mm. there's so much energy in the fibre, the fibre just basically burns and the glass breaks because you can't contain it anymore. And so what they do at Southampton with photonic crystal fibres is they finding a way of containing that energy in air inside a kind of a matrix of glass around the outside. They create almost like Uh, bubbles. uh, Is that a tube? (laughs) God, it is a tube. Oh my God. (laughs) Everything I said, everything I said has been a lie. Uh, (laughs) It is a tube. It's a tube of glass. Um, And they do it by containing it in these crystalline structures of all these little circles. That's so bougie of them. (laughs) Set up really complicated optical conditions such that the light can't escape from Mm. the the sort of air in the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, I did enjoy once talking to somebody who has designed these for many years and asking them very politely if they wouldn't mind explaining how exactly it works. And they shrugged and went, I don't know. (laughs) So... You know, I feel if I can't convey exactly how it works across in the podcast, I feel like that's okay. That's yeah, uh, right. you know, that's okay. You know, yeah. I, I I think this is now at the point where we we've we've worked out just about how to do it. We've not quite worked out how to communicate that to other people yet. And I kind um, of love when they like scientists figure out how to do something. They're like, we don't get why it works. We don't get how it works, but it works. Trust it. I love those. I'm like, sure. <laughs> yeah, let's just say all that light is staying in the glass for reasons that are best known to the light and yeah. ask it no questions. There you go. Um, that yeah. works for me. Yeah. I like that. And yeah. it looks blingy too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you've got in your mind, isn't it? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> there, there, are, there are some amazing people who have made dresses out of fibre optics. Um, so if you really want to like bling up your Christmas and go with like a big gown to Christmas dinner, you can go with a fibre optic gown. <laughs> See, I'm all about the stretch on Christmas. Oh yeah. Oh, that's, that's going to have no expand. Absolutely. Towards the end of this podcast recording, of course, we've done all of this talk about fiber optics, but we do also have to talk about cartoons. <laughs> because you have kindly done a little cartoon for us that we were looking at, and I really want to know what is on your saying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, you know, I draw the things. I don't, I, you know, I, I don't like to think about the, the, you know, that, what the people are saying because they're they're their own little creations. Um, and it's definitely not because drawing an open mouth looks a little bit better than drawing a closed mouth. <laughs> and there's secretly the reason is really complicated and artistic. Um, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. the wanky bollocks that you Yeah, it's the wanky bollocks thing. It's, yeah. it's, not, yeah. it's not the fact that it looks a little bit nicer on the drawing. And so you've been doing cartoons as well. Um, where, where did the cartoons come from? Well, so doing fibre optics, I, I did that. I've done that for about uh, 12, 13 years now uh, since I did my PhD and then carried on as a, as a postdoc and then senior postdoc. And as I was doing that and as I was doing my PhD, um, so I should say, this is a great place to say it right at the end, I'm not a physicist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a biochemist. <laughs> so I had to learn a lot about fibre optics very quickly at the beginning of what I was doing to create sensors. And as I was learning about the kind of the history of them and things like that, and I was talking to my physics colleagues, they didn't know the history of fibre optics either. They just knew what their textbook said about what was invented two years ago. They didn't know how it came about. Um, And 
I realised that that it was a really interesting story, and I realised that actually explaining it to people would be probably quite helpful mm-hmm. if people actually kind of understood a little bit more about the science. And it's they're quite hard things to explain, you know, how it works. And I wanted to try and explain the science of them a little bit better. Um, and podcasts are amazing. Blog posts are brilliant, but the things that really sell on Instagram are cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I started to write articles about the things that I was doing in science, and I started to, to you know, write about my life in science, and I started to add cartoons. And then very slowly, over about nine years, um, I realised people shared the cartoons, and a lot more people shared the cartoons than shared the articles. <laughs> and I started drawing more of the cartoons, um, and have carried on ever since. So I, I started them as a way of trying to explain and communicate my science. Um, and now I'm taking a, a brief sabbatical from doing research to do more of that. So I'm doing nice. um, primarily outreach work and I'm trying to help other scientists do the same thing with that I was doing with fibres with their work. Yeah, so it's like the idea of trying to make sure that it was trying to include people in things that were very complicated and try and make science a little bit less daunting and make it a bit more fun and a bit more enjoyable and something that's not, you're not going to understand the whole technique, but if you could just take away a tiny little nugget of information about that person's technique, I feel like that cartoon has succeeded. Mm-hmm. And that's what I try and draw. I try and draw things that can get across the core of the idea for almost everybody to understand. Um, in a way that kind of makes people laugh and smile mm. and giggle and, and things like that. Yeah, because, you know, we're interested in all sorts of things, but Most only so far. Yeah, yeah. You Enough know? that if I'm in a pub quiz exactly. and somebody asks a question, I can go, I have a base knowledge oh, about yeah. this. Well, that's that's kind of Errant Science's thing, which is the website I run and the comic. And that's what, you know, on all the social media channels that we have, that's what we try and share is like that little bit, that little bit you can kind of take away. You can read an Errant Science comic and kind of go, oh, cool. I understand that those break down a lot. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, grants are a real pain sometimes. And, you know, uh, and yeah, scientists have imposter syndrome syndrome and and things like that you know mm. try and try and make it more human and more approachable and less this impossible thing only incredibly smart people do actually most scientists would never describe themselves as incredibly smart we're all idiots who have lucked into bizarre weird jobs <laughs> and on that incredibly hopeful yeah. and lovely <laughs> note <laughs> and we will share some of those um, for other idiots that have lucked into whatever they've lucked into. Um, and yeah, brilliant. There we go. Thank you. I'm feeling very hopeful now. I didn't think I'd end <laughs> learning about fibre optics in a sort of hopeful mood, but here we are. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. I've brilliant. had a great time. Anytime. that fibre optics were going to be so illuminating. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) Here's the ironic thing. If you had asked me before this podcast what exactly it is underground, I would not have said glass and I would not have said light. I'd have said wiry type tubey things. Yeah. And it's not wiry type tubey things. No. It's glass rods. Really, really fine. Not made, unfortunately, anymore. With With a crossbow. (laughs) What an... Excellent. I love that this chaotic scientist was like, right, I need things that are going to blow up. Do you know, is it something that we don't just 
need to bring back more of that Victorian sense of yeah because my can I do favorite science class was with? making a jelly baby scream that was no. my favorite one you know when you set them nice. on fire and they scream yeah. yeah so maybe that would get more people interested in science yeah anyway that's just a side note just a side note yeah yeah and you know test subjects sword swallowers were hey always well go to dorset you. first <laughs> and absolutely well done dorset well done dorset pioneers excellent work and if you fuck up something for the cia tell them tell them Particularly as the Cold War's you gotta, on. you got to tell them. Whoops. And then you'll get a lot more funding for other stuff. Yeah, we will and get funding. so we can use fibre optics for sending messages. We can mm-hmm. use it for looking inside. We can blow stuff up. And we might be able to use it to make sure our gin's good. Uh, yeah, absolutely, with lots yeah. of sensors. Yeah. And whatever they are not, they are not tubes, apart from... When they are tubes. When they are tubes. But that's a whole different thing. So but they're bringing crystals there. too. Yeah. Excellent. Super. Oh, right. it's dinner now then. Come on then. I hope you enjoyed that little episode. You got to the end, so hopefully you did. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> well done. If you'd like more content from us... You can follow us on Instagram. You can. And you'll also find our chief gin taster, the gin monkey, with tasting notes of all the gins that we're tasting in the series. Go on to Instagram, so it's worth following. Yeah, yeah. Topic gin. Topic gin. Same on Twitter. Same on Twitter. Send us a little tweet. Yeah, we're on Facebook too. Topic gin, keeping it all nice and simple. And you can email us. You can, if you want, at hello at ginandtopic.com if you click subscribe as well that would be really handy reviews Whole host tell of people stuff for you to do and we'll be back next week with another episode i know and another guest and another gin yay <laughs> and don't forget to join me and emma in our tasting room on sunday and she can tell us all about the gin 